Okay, so I'm gonna just give the beginning spiel again. We had to restart. My name is Kishore Chandra. We're here for chit chat. We come out here to discuss spiritual topics. Can you hear me, Kavi? Yes? Is that a thumbs up meaning you can hear me? Maybe his headphones were bad. Maybe. Yeah, so Kavi can hear me. Great. Money Blue Skies, welcome everyone. Right, cool. Hello? Okay. Yeah, we're good now. Some some technical difficulty. I don't know. Can I be heard? You can be heard, and I can also be heard. That's the important part. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome back everyone. Sorry we had some technical difficulties right off the bat. Um, so hopefully we won't have any going forward. Um, welcome to Chit Chat. Myself, Jai, myself and Jai Jagannath Prabhu come on here every night at 6 p.m. to discuss chit, spiritual topics. And sometimes we get into discussions of things that are going on in this crazy material world. <sighs> Yesterday we ended off with, um, well, you kind of said you wanted to talk about it more. Um, Where did we end off? During the queue. Do you ever remember? <laughs> well, my mind is kind of distracted right now because I just like found out some like really into. I just like kind of went into. Well, first I read the Liberation of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which was like amazing. But I found I found myself like needing to go through some of the purports, and because it was so. And this is my second time reading it. And, I, and now I'm feeling like maybe I need to read this again. There's so much beautiful, um, beautiful verses in that. But one of the verses that came up was this verse that we are that has kind of become a verse that we are mentioning a lot here. Um, Gopinathacharya is saying to Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya before the dialogue between him and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu starts. He quotes this verse from the Bhagavatam that we have brought up many times here, the sixth canto, I think chapter four. I'm not sure which verse number, but that uh, that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is full of unlimited qualities and whose different potencies bring about agreement and disagreement between disputants. And thus the illusory energy again and again covers the self-realization of both disputants. <laughs> and I loved, I, I like love that I came across that verse, like, and that's the verse that kind of you know, this is right before Gopinathacharya, Sarvabhama Bhattacharya are speaking. And then the dialogue starts between them. So then I read that. It was, like, really transcendental. I was like, whoa, like, this is amazing. My second time reading it. And then somehow or another through, like, an Instagram story, a devotee's Instagram story, an Ecuadorian devotee's Instagram story, he posted, like, something really interesting, like, this book that looked really, really interesting. And I was like, who is this? What is this? And it's this, like, Argentinian kind of like radical thinker present current and i was like who is this person and i kind of went down like a rabbit hole of like hearing his videos and hearing his stuff and whatever and i'm sorry i'm sorry to bring this stuff up but this is like just where i'm at right now and i'm not the kind of person who's like going down the rabbit holes listening to like all these kinds of things but i i couldn't help myself because he was very intriguing like it was clear that he knew his shit in regards to like uh, in regards to like politics and society and like Western philosophy. So I was like, oh, this is like rare. This is rare that people actually know this. And so 
I heard him describe, I heard him a YouTube video explaining like, what's the difference between post-modernism and neo-Marxism? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, that's my kind of thing. And then, okay, I'm just going to leave this here because this is something that this verse, because I feel a little bewildered right now. You brought this up various times. We don't need to get into this, but you brought this up various times about Black Lives Matter and, you know, in the United States currently and in Europe right now, it's very difficult to have any other opinion than the kind of like mass think. The moment that you have a different opinion than the mass think, you're kind of, um, you know, demonized, right? You're seen as like how dare you how dare you how dare you this kind of thing right and i remember when the black lives matters um thing became prominent once again after george floyd you and i spoke a lot about it we spoke a lot about it here on chit chat and you were bringing up some some like differing opinions and i remember people like were coming after you like in the comments people were coming after you i know that you got you know like this then today on your Facebook, I saw what you posted on your Facebook today. Was I posted it today something? Or was it yesterday? I can't remember what. I saw it today about, um, about um, like, Bravo for, for oh, you saw- this. <laughs> that, this. Was old, that was an old post from, like, a week ago or something. Oh, was it? I just saw it today, and I saw all the comments, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, Jai is getting spicy. But, you know, you but brought up. I, I didn't respond to any of those comments. I, I was. Saw. I was being very, um, I kind of just left it there and I went away. I didn't, yeah. go, I didn't even go back and look at what the comments were saying because everyone who was commenting were just my detractors, my consistent detractors. So Yeah. And it was specifically about the, the, the thing that you posted on Facebook was actually kind of what we were talking about yesterday and and these past two days in regards to like, I didn't read the article, but in regards right. to like, maybe like a pastor Okay, I'll, I'll, Please explain. I'll summarize the article that I shared. I'll, and I'll also share why, why, why I shared it, just in brief. But in short, it was a pastor who originally followed the government stipulations for the lockdown because the government had told in the beginning of this whole COVID situation mm. that the lockdown was simply to flatten the curve. Mm. And after we were able to do that, then things can go back to a little bit of normality. Uh, it, of course, it hasn't gone back to normality. This has become our sort of new normal. Mm. So uh, for this pastor, I guess he realized that it looks like this lockdown may be perpetual. And this is really impacting the dignity of congregation members who really depend on the church for their inspiration, upliftment, and so on. So he decided that he's not going to follow government stipulations for lockdown. He's going to open his church. Now, Obviously, that's going to be a very contentious issue because someone's going to say you're putting the lives of your congregation in danger. I think some of the people in the comment thread were indicating something to the effect that uh, he only cares about money. He doesn't care about his congregation. I was like, wow, you really know his motivation well. But when it comes to the government, you seem to think that they have all good motives. Anyway, so the reason I ended up posting it and I said bravo, that was the only thing I said. I just shared the article and I just said bravo. (laughs) <laughs> and I knew that I knew just me saying that was going to happen, obviously. So the, the reason that I posted it, because what I found interesting about the article is that the there was a congregation, there was another church in Nevada that had gone all the way up to the Supreme Court where they said they want to allow more than 50 congregants into their open church. And the answer was, you know, the Supreme Court denied them. 
and yet the casinos were allowed to have hundreds of people come in. And so one of the, the pastor at this church in Nevada was very upset. Like, what is, what is this weird double standard? You can't mm. have more than 50 people in the church because it's deemed dangerous. But 100 people can go and engage in this nihilistic activity of gambling. Mm. And so that's, for me, it was like a blatant hypocrisy that I thought would be interesting for people like, whoa, this is something very strange. And what I also appreciate about the article is that the pastor for whom the article was written, he was basically saying government was encroaching on Christian values. I don't know. That's not the right way of putting it. But basically, they were they were stretching the limits of their power too far, mm. and that it was the duty of those who followed Christ mm. to do what Christ wanted them to do. Which I mm. guess, in his reading of that, is to congregate and glorify God, and leave the protection in the hands of God. Mm. Not that we should be beholden to all these government stipulations, which leaves our congregations isolated, disheveled, um, uh, dispirited, demoralized. Mm. Abs- and I was like, you know what? Bravo. I, for, me, that, that, for me, that deserved a bravo. <laughs> you know, because I was just like, you know, at the end of the day, we have to die. And again, it's not that we should be ignorant or foolish. But at this point, because it's really hard for the layman to make out the truth of what's happening, Mm. I can get what, and, and when you see like a, a blatant hypocrisy, like in a Nevada case, if that is indeed true, at this point, I don't accept anything that's really true. But if it is indeed true that Nevada is allowing casin- people to come into casinos by the hundreds, but disallowing religious congregations to congregate, that's like a blatant hypocrisy. Mm. And I, I totally understand why a, a leader of a church or some sort of spiritual movement would be like, you know what, the governments, they're going too far with their power and we need to stand up for mm. our congregation. We're gonna, and I, for me, I thought that deserved a bravo. And yeah. again, this bravo is really in the context of the, because we brought it up so many times in this whole period, this bravo comes in a context of not knowing what is really going on, like what is really mm. the truth of the matter. Mm. It is indeed very hard to ascertain that. Yes. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, personally, I don't see myself, you know, politically, I think, I think people have made a lot of assumptions about like you and I politically, like, I remember there being a comment once, I don't remember where it was like, but someone like kind of just assumed like, oh, well, Jaya's the, uh, you know, the, the conservative, conservative and, this and, what I, and right. I'm the liberal and whatever. And I'm just like, y'all don't know me. Okay. Y'all don't know me. <laughs> me and Jaya agree on more than you think, but I think that I personally have kept myself from going down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what's true and rather like in this material world and rather personally during this quarantine, I've been trying to like latch onto my bhakti and like latch onto to Krishna, you know, because that's right. really been my, my saving grace. However, today was a different day. So, so here we go. So I'm reading. So I'm listening to this video. I'm I'm interested in this guy. His name is uh, I can't remember his name already. He's Agustin Laje, Argentinian. And so then there's this YouTube video about Black Lives Matter, and I'm just like, okay. He, 
Oh, and I start, he ta he's talking about the organization. He's talking about Black Lives Matter, and there's like six points him and this other, I think she was Mexican kind of um, thinker or whatever, are talking about. And the points are like, let's look at the history, let's look at who's funding them, let's look at their demands, and I can't remember the last whatever. And just in the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I was like, like, what is going on? Should I, hand you, should I hand you a tinfoil hat? Well, no, because this is, <laughs> th guys, this is not even tinfoil hat. This is like, it actually happened. Right. So, so this, so this is just one fact. Like there are photos. I looked it up. It's a real thing. Apparently when the movement of Black Lives Matter first started in 2013, they held this like summit in Harlem. And somehow or another, they are, they knew each other beforehand and somehow or another, they're connected to Venezuela. And they had as a special guest to this summit in Harlem, the president of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro, who is oh, yes. part of a, you know, Hugo Chavez and like right, the right. dictatorship going on in Venezuela. And like, you know, it's terrible. We don't need to get into that. But like, they literally had him as a special guest at this summit and like, presented him with this like top honor and like reposing with him and handing him the and i saw that and i was just like what is Alarm, happening alarms this... went off alarms yeah. when i was just like what's happening in this world like i don't know what's true i don't know what's not true and then i'm gonna i didn't i didn't hear further because i had to come on to chit chat and i was like Ugh. but i i wanted <laughs> i wanted to read this i wanted to read this from from chaitanya cherry temrita this purport from Prabhupad because i think it just sums up the situation so so perfectly so this is from Madhya Lila, chapter 6, verse 109. In verse 108 is the, is the verse that we talk about here in Chit Chat all the time, about that... Losing Krishna, your soul and yeah, argumentation. And argument and disagreement between disputants, etc. So then this next verse, uh, CC Madhya 6, 109, the verse is from Srimad Bhagavatam 11.22.4. And the verse says, in almost all cases whatever learned brahmanas speak becomes accepted. Nothing is impossible for one who takes shelter of my illusory energy and speaks under her influence. Mm. And in the purport, Prabhupada says in this verse from Bhagavatam 11.22.4, the Supreme Personality of God had explained that his illusory energy can perform the impossible. <laughs> Such is the power of the illusory energy. In many cases, philosophical speculators have covered the real truth and have boldly set forth false theories. In ancient times, philosophers like Kapila, Gautama, Jaimini, Kannada, and similar brahmanas propounded useless philosophical theories. <laughs> and in modern days, so-called scientists are setting forth many false theories about the creation, backed up by seemingly, seemingly logical arguments. This is all due to the influence of the Supreme Lord's illusory energy. I love this part. The illusory energy, therefore, sometimes appears correct because it is emanating from the Supreme correct. <laughs> to avoid the bewildering illusory influence, one must accept the words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead as they are. Only then can one escape the influence of the illusory energy. Wow. So nice. So, so nice. So uplifting. Because this whole, for those of you that are, are not, um, you know, don't know this part of Chaitanya Charitamrita, essentially Sri Chaitanya is speaking to Sarvabhama Bhattacharya about how like his, um, you know, his understanding of the Vedanta Sutra or the Brahma Sutra has been covered. Mm. 
right? And it's, and, and that rather, like, this is something that was written by Vyasadeva, and we should simply take it as it is. There's no need to kind of like, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, try to, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, speculate? No. No, not, not, not speculate, but you know how you find all these versions of the Bhagavad Gita, and they're trying to find out, like, what the real meaning is? I can't, the word's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, I can't think of the word. Like, there's no, no need to speculate. There's no need to try and create different versions in your head of what the truth is. The truth is there as it is. Therefore, that's why Prabhupada has called his translation Bhagavad Gita as it is. Like, I remember him giving one simple example in the purport about how, like, and, at, the at the beginning interpretation. of Bhagavad Interpretation. 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 I remember from this purport, uh, from one of the purports here, Prabhupada is saying, like, Mayavadi philosophers at the very beginning of Bhagavad Gita are saying, like, you know, Kurukshetra and this and etc. And they're trying to come up with all these interpretations of, like, what this means. And Prabhupada's like, no, this is an actual place where this actually happened. You know, yeah. it's like it's there as it is. So I really love this right. purport because yeah. it just signals, like, our why we think all these crazy things are correct is because in a way they are not in a way they are coming from from krishna but it's krishna's illusory energy right yeah that section of chaitanya sharon termit uh, it comes up in another place this idea it comes up also in chapter seven of the adi lila mm. where mahabrabhu was speaking to all the thousands of sannyasins and binars Yes, and yes. the idea is that when, when it comes to scripture, the question comes up, how should it be understood? Some things seem like they could be metaphors or allegories. Some things are, can make sense directly. So when are you to accept like a literal interpretation of scripture? And when is, when is one to accept a sort of more allegorical or metaphorical understanding of scripture? It's not, a, it's not really a trivial question. And there's a whole science behind scriptural interpretation i think the the technical word in english is exegesis yeah which is like the science of interpretation but specifically like interpreting sacred texts um as opposed to the, just the generic hermeneutics you know systems which is a system of interpretation so the basic idea that mahabharata wants to point out is that when it comes to scripture the direct meaning should always be accepted first or looked at first it's called the mukya vritti the direct meaning of the words and only in cases where the direct meaning of the words are unintelligible or don't make sense do you look for a lakshana vritti a lakshana vritti or guna vritti means like a a secondary explanation so i like for example the example is given um the lion is a ferocious beast for example so that directly, the direct word, meaning of the words makes sense. But if you say Kishore Chandra is uh, like a lion or, or Kishore is a lion, sometimes we say like that. Well, we don't say lion, but we'll say, man, he's a beast. Mm, yeah. You know, for example, well, the literal, okay, I was going to say, well, the literal interpretation could actually fit also. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, but not being shady. Not, not being shady. If you hear someone say, like, Kishore Chandra is a lion, well, he's not literally, literally a lion. So you have to give a, a lakshana or a, gun, a secondary explanation. But the secondary explanation is rooted in the primary meaning of the word lion. You know, so if someone says Kishore Chandra is, like, is a lion, 
okay, that means he's fierce like a lion, he's courageous like a lion, he's strong like a lion. So you have to give some sort of uh, interpretation of what that means. But the interpretation is still rooted in the primary meaning of the word. Mm. Otherwise, you can make anything mean anything at any moment. Like, in other words, if, if you try to interpret Kishore Chandra as a lion without reference to the literal meaning of the word lion, then it, it doesn't have any meaning because you can make it to mean anything at any moment. Mm. So even when you come up with secondary interpretive explanations of things, it's still rooted in the primary meaning of words. So Maharu is trying to say that when people approach scripture, particularly impersonalists, and I would say a lot of the modern minds, they're more or less like impersonalists in that they are reluctant to accept literal interpretation of words and they prefer their own reading of things, which is an interpretive understanding. So as a result, um, Mahabharata wanted to point out that words have meaning and the direct meaning of words is important for understanding like a sentence. Otherwise, you couldn't even make a sentence make sense mm. unless the literal meaning of words are accepted. So he's kind of trying to point that out philosophically. But as far as the point, so anyway, that's just that section of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. But yeah, I, I like the simplicity of this understanding. And I think I want to touch on a topic we were jumping into at the end of Chit Chat yesterday, which you were saying that we might continue. Oh, yes. Being the standard devotee versus being like the cool devotee. So, yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, so, the, sorry, I was talking to a friend. He said, hey, we talked about that. And I was like, I mentioned that yesterday that I was talking to a friend about it. Um, so, I think one of the ways in which we try to be cool um, is we always try to look for a different way of understanding. Mm. Instead of looking for a deeper way of understanding the same point, we look like for a different way and present some ambiguity, some nuance, and then we come up with an entirely different understanding of the thing. Mm. And I think this may be one of the ways in which we were mentioning yesterday, devotees, we try to be cool instead of just being standard. And what I like about Prabhupada's purport like reading it, I, I, I'm hearing it, I was hearing it as a, in the spirit, not, well, not my personal spirit. I was kind of thinking of a person who's an intellectual and sort of the simplicity of what Prabhupada is writing can be very irritating to such a, a, a <laughs> mind and an ego. Be like, yeah, he's in Maya. Someone's like, well, I study Descartes, and, you know, and this one and that one. And you're like, they were all in Maya. And they just covered up, they covered up the real truth. It's like a little bit simplistic. And I find it to be beautiful, though. <laughs> because I remember being on the university campuses distributing books. And um, so I would be naturally using rhetoric to convince people to buy the Bhagavad Gita or to take interest in it. And I remember meeting many philosophy students on campus. Naturally, you run into them. And so they would kind of be like, all right, so I'll try out the Gita and you should try out Sartre and Descartes and Nietzsche. And they would try to encourage me to like read some of these other philosophers. And I would just point blank say, no, I'm not going to read them. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, why not? And I was like, and I remember particularly when someone suggested Nietzsche, I was like, well, how did he die? I really want to know. And he died in a most tragic way. 
you know, and I guess as the story goes, if I recall properly, forgive me if I'm not referencing this right, but as I recall properly, he kind of saw someone like beating a horse and he yep. kind of had a, a just sort of a break from reality, went crazy. And I don't know if he committed suicide, but he definitely went crazy. Yeah, he, he went crazy. Um, Sartre, I think, or some of these existential philosophers, they just straight up committed suicide. Yeah. So I remember talking to these philosophers students and said, listen, if their philosophy couldn't help them, it ain't going to help me either. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I said, I'm, I'm going to stick with Pearl Pot and Christian because for starters, they ain't committing suicide and they're not going crazy. So I think that's a really good criteria in terms of considering what I should be investing my mental energies in. Um, and so I kind of appreciate the simplicity of, and of course for Vedantas, this is like the direct reality. Mm. You know, the real simple truth in one, on, on, in one way, your spirit, soul, you're identified with mind. These are like very simple truths, not very difficult to understand. They get covered over by all this rhetoric mm. from persons who are themselves ignorant of themselves. So I often, I brought this up in the last week as my sort of, I, I don't know if you want to call it a commentary of especially social movies today. How can people who are lost to their own selves give direction mm. to, the, to the world? And for a Vedantin, at least, where the, the words of, the, of people in general is that the, their words are misdirected because mm. they themselves are lost to their own self. Mm. And so why should a Vedantin, at least, take them seriously? Okay, I think devotees, we find interest, like, you know, so I hear devotees sometimes referencing they saw Jordan Peterson this or Jonathan Haidt this or uh, uh, AOC that and then this one and then that one, you know, different devotee friends, they hear different things on YouTube or whatever. Uh, what did you say, Alexander, whatever his name Whatever, was. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, fine, but we still conclude at the end of the day that at the end of the day, what they're saying is ultimately useless because they are unaware of their own selves. They're, they're ignorant of their own self. So how can they ultimately give direction mm. to, to suffering you know, humanity? I remember everything that you're saying is bringing up um, a lot of thoughts for sure. I like what Madhava Puri is saying that Prabhupada speaks this, often this is said, Prabhupada, a religion without philosophy becomes fanatical and philosophy without God becomes pointless mental speculation. Right. So pointless mental speculation. I remember specifically, like, I think this, this topic of like trying to be the cool devotee, trying to be the devotee who fits in with this mainstream society, trying to be the, the devotee who doesn't come off as fanatical. And it's like at the expense of not coming off as fanatical, then we lose our standards essentially is what we're saying. Right. And right. so something that I've seen that has, honestly, it's really deeply troubled me. And that's why I really am very appreciative of this, of the Sangha that I do have, because it's really deeply troubled me seeing like the devotees kind of being split in the side, you know, I'm on this side, I'm on that side, I'm defriending you, friendship over, you know, you don't, you're not representing what Prabhupada would want. And like so many things, like slander, yeah. really. And, it's, and it's, 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 really, it's really been like disheartening. And so therefore, I've kept myself out of it. I'm just like, I'm not going to comment, even though I want to comment. Once right. I wrote a whole thing and I didn't post, I was like, nope, nope, 
Oh my God, that's a meme. I don't know if you've seen that meme with what? Marge and what's the daughter's name from The Simpsons? Lisa. Lisa. Okay, so it's a meme of Lisa in front of her computer, looking up at her mom in like total frustration, and her mom kind of patting her on the back with, for encouragement. That's the picture, and then the meme says that um, when you, the difference between growth and pettiness, and then at the top of the thing is like when you want to type something in response. But you're gonna you trying to grow instead of be petty. I gotta. I'm not saying it perfectly. I gotta show you the picture. I'll post it on my story, so Please y'all do. can know what I'm talking about. It's hilarious. <laughs> Please do. Anyway, you're reminding me of that. No, yeah. So I I, I didn't want to get myself involved. Like I'd always like read all the comments off of Jaya's post and then talk to Jaya personally about it like this. But it's really disheartening to see that you know. Like this topic, like at the expense of being the cool devotee, we're losing our standards, we're losing our unity, we're losing, you know, so much really. And uh, this is what really, you know, I don't want to say pisses me off. That sounds vulgar. I, this, this is something that really like, it makes my blood boil a little bit. That it's like, I, the cool devotee, you know, I've, I've tried to be the cool devotee many times before. Like, we try sometimes to kind of like soften the the philosophy or like right. you know meet not, people where they're at that's usually meet, how we articulate meet, it meet people where they're at and not necessarily like be as like hey this is what it says you know right. and so therefore it, i think that's a very i think that's very dangerous if you're not if you're very neophyte and that's kind of like where you're at like i think personally that can be very dangerous because i've seen many devotees and I've also been in those situations where it's like, you know, you're meeting people where you're at, where they're at, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden you're associating with them. We spoke about us at Sangha. All of a sudden I'm in a cacao ceremony. All of a sudden <laughs> I'm like chanting Shiva, 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 Shabo and like have dreadlocks, you know, like I'm just saying. <laughs> like, and like, so... <laughs> do you, you know, no, no uh, necessary judgment for if you're into like doing a cacao ceremony. No, and no judgment. Amongst, no yeah. judgment. I'm but saying, it just speaks it just speaks to the problem that yeah we, there is a standard understanding there's a sort of standard practice and those standards is what unify a community in general Dr. Ramsey's asking you an interesting question <laughs> So are you saying that we have absolutely nothing to learn from these other people Yes no <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm just, I'm just playing. Well, I do think like that, but let me qualify that. Yes, I think there's there's two realms of learning for souls in the in the world. There's the the you know learning about the transcendental world. We call it as paramartha, paramartha sattva, which means transcendent existence. And then there's the conventional understanding of things, the vyavaharika sattva. So when it comes to conventional understanding, other voices provide so much information that we actually require for living in this world. One of the, the five great sacrifices in Vedic culture called Panchamaha Yagya. So there are five obligatory like offerings that had to be made to certain entities because they're required for the integrity of a society. Offerings to the devas, offerings to the rishis, offerings to the forefathers, offerings to the other species of life, and then offerings to other human beings. Because without other human beings, you couldn't really have a, a functioning society whatsoever. And so there needs to be uh, offerings or respect for other living beings because 
we do get so much for, from their existence in our own practical life. If you live in a city, you depend on uh, a fireman, you depend on people who take out the trash, you depend on plumbers. There's so many humans you depend on for living in the city that you don't, you're not even aware of, but their presence allows you to function in the city mm. in a way that's not demoralizing and dignified. So when it comes to a conventional world, we have much that we may get from other sources. Um, what I'm saying is that particularly when it comes to Shreyas, yes. Shreyas means the ultimate welfare concerning the soul. When it comes from Shreyas, um, not that others don't have something to say on that also. They might, but I'm not taking any chances. And the general, I guess the general feeling comes for a, a, like the average Vedantin. Because the average Vedantin, I should clarify, when I say a Vedantin, that means one who bases their understanding of the reality on the Vedas. That is one of the, um, although there are two distinct Vedantin schools, the impersonal or monistic school and the theistic Vedantin school, both of them have as their premise that reality is to be understood from the Shabda, from the scriptural statements. So unless you accept, for an average Vedanta, if you don't reference the Veda for your understanding of reality, then you're ignorant. That's just, mm. it's like, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cut and dry like that. That doesn't mean they went out of their way to like walk up to people or do a YouTube video like, these are all ignorant people. But they did understand it that way. If you don't quote Shabda, then you're ignorant. And so when it comes to Paramatta Sattva, like ultimate welfare for the soul, then I go to the source that I find the most dependable. Mm. And Frank, yeah, and for the most part, from hearing how people speak, it becomes somewhat apparent in certain cases, and maybe in certain other cases, not so apparent, but in generally, it's apparent that people are like ignorant of the soul. Mm. Our world is largely secular. Um, even when they're religious, they don't know about the soul. Mm. And it's a distinction. So that's why I said my answer would probably be yes, but I'm qualifying it. Yeah, in this and, way. and my answer would probably be yes as well. And also with, with that qualification and also with the qualification of like knowing where I am at personally, like me, Kishore Chandra, knowing where I am at personally in my devotional right. life. So there's a difference between you know, having association, having sadhusanga, taking that association. There's a difference between that and, you know, being in a space perhaps with non-devotees and giving your association, but perhaps not, but not taking theirs, you know? Yeah. And that requires, you know, to be honest, some skill. It requires some steadiness. It requires, um, yeah, it, it requires mercy from, from Guru and Krishna. And, you know, I mean, personally, I've been in situations, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to air out the dirty laundry here, but I've been in situations where I've, you know, that, that line can get very fuzzy sometimes of just right. like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just here giving my association to everyone. It's like, are you like, come on, like, really? And you know why? So this is why I wanted to make it personal because, you know, sometimes you think that Krishna is doing you wrong, you know? Krishna done take away something from you. That relationship, <laughs> that relation, that relationship didn't work out. What happened, Krishna? You didn't get the job that you did. Ba, ba, ba. All the things in life are stacked against you. Coronavirus, quarantine. 
you're starting to have some inimical feelings with Krishna, unfortunately, you need to work it out. But if I'm out there taking association from people that have a differing philosophy than me, that are trying to speak a different conception of Shreyas and to me, and at the end of the day are impersonal, I, knowing myself and my neophyte condition, you can be susceptible to that. Like I can be susceptible to that, you know, like, you know, Bhakti was cool, but I think that the Tao is better now. You know, like, we've seen so many people like that. You know, they come and then they go. And then they come and then they go like this. So that steadiness in Bhakti, it's, um, it's something that is, uh, you know, I guess, like, yeah, the last thing I'll say is, like, yeah, you know, know your position, know where you're at. Because right. I think it's really important to know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I get... You know, I get how devotees, like, especially when we're newer, we don't want to get in that space where we feel that we're better than others. Because we know just the other day we were in the club drinking and <laughs> doing all the things. And now we become a devotee. And now, it, even if you don't want it to happen, it can happen. At yeah. least, if, even if it's not happening within you, your, your prior um, association before your devotional life may perceive you as being as such. Yeah, that Like, happens. oh, you think <laughs> that you're better than us now because, <laughs> you know, you're following all these... Like, for example, you might go out with your friends to a bar, but you decide not to drink because now you're trying to follow some principles. And your friends feel offended. Why aren't you drinking? And you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to follow my, this spiritual principle. And they're like, oh, so you think you're better than us. Now, you might not be thinking that, but it can be easily be perceived in that way. And I think it does happen with a lot of us that we, that we develop. Yeah, you develop this sort of like a little bit of contempt inside of your personality. So we tend to like want to share because, because we want to stay away from that sort of pride and contempt. Then what ends up happening, I notice that we just kind of open ourselves up to everything. The newer devotee who's without training and the standards our communities haven't, we haven't been very good at giving newer devotees a sense of like standard devotion. And so we give them like these deep principles, like a devotee doesn't have pride. So when we try to apply that principle in our context, we're like, I don't, I'm not better than this guy. You know, he also deserves to be heard. And he also deserves to be heard. And then you allow yourself to be open to everything because you're trying to, follow a Vaishnava principle of not of being devoid of pride. Whereas, you know, these high level Vaishnavas, they're devoid of pride, but they are also enlightened persons who have profound levels of discernment. And so they can be associating with a killer even. And they can be humble, but they know this guy is and with to speak of a killer, he can be associated with a really nice person, but they're also in ignorance. They also have that discernment. So it gets really tricky. That's why the best option in the beginning stages is don't associate with non-devotees but we ain't going to that's a little that's, that's a little yeah it can get a little intense but you know let's bring it back to you know because also when i made that statement i was specifically speaking about someone who is practicing who is trying to be a devotee like someone right. who's trying trying to practice bhakti krishna bhakti specifically how can a devotee get proper training when i'm not really around other devotees um it's tough. I ain't gonna Befriend Jaya. <laughs> no, no, I'm not a good trainer. I, you know, I'm not a good trainer because I'm very hands off. You are very hands off. Um, if someone comes to me, I'll spend an ordinate amount of time with you and answer questions. Mm -hmm. And but I'm, I'm very hands off uh, in terms of 
telling people what they should be doing and and how to get you know trained up. But my encouragement to everyone is to study and try to understand the books. Yeah. And follow the standards that Parapod is giving in there to the best of your ability, knowing that you yeah. will fall short along the way. If you're able to even just do that, you'll get a, a lot of good training. I guess the the most important thing about training is the conception. Mm. Once the conceptions become crystal clear, then you're able to navigate your world around yeah. you with discernment and with skill. A lot of us, we, we don't know all the core conceptions, so it becomes very difficult for us to navigate the world around us. I'm just going to give Jaya a little plug once again. I do it all the time because I'm his number one fan. Um, <laughs> but Jaya has on his website Bhagavad Gita course, right? Yes. So Jaya on his website has course of Bhagavad Gita and course for Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the first part. And so these are, you know, at least Bhagavad Gita is a very good starting place, obviously. Okay, and I'm, ta I'm talking to Doyle on Monday. Yeah, because should something I, else... Should I do an Upadesha Amrita study? Yes, do an Upadesha Amrita study, I'll, yes. I'll, because we're going to talk courses that I'm going to do for the Bhakti Center and that I'm going to do yeah. on my own personal page. And I'll do an Upadesha Amrita for newer devotees. All the, all the basic yeah. Bhakti practice points and 11 verses... I'll do it, maybe cover it in just like a weekend, a few sessions, and we can do that. If you do it, y'all have to sign up for it. I think you should do that, Jaya, because I think something that would be really nice, especially during this time of still, still quarantine, we're still quarantined, of, yeah, giving, you know, so many people are out there seeking, so many people out there uh, want to know what the standards are, you know, because something that we've spoken a lot about on Chit Chat is... Uh, blanketisms, which is my coined <laughs> word, and you know, like, <laughs> and like, you know, all these words start to lose their meaning. So they're telling you, okay, well, bhakti means compassion, but it's like, well, what does compassion mean? Or, or bhakti right. means this, or bhakti means that, or you know, and that's where the danger lies because you can go, you know, that's where the danger of bad association lies because you can go to an impersonal se sector, an impersonal place, yoga studio, whatever. And it can be, well, bhakti means this and bhakti means that. And basically all these words are devoid of meaning because there's no, there's no um, scriptural evidence essentially behind them. Like you're just, you're just speculating. So maybe Jaya, it would be really nice to give some sort of basis, Upadeshamrita like this um, through the bhakti center it would be really nice. Missy is saying that there's a, a what's it called? A, mentorship. A mentorship program. But is that public, Missy? I thought that wasn't officially public. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, but then the last thing that I wanted to say, I don't remember. I don't remember. We've been, this has been an awesome chit chat. I've been having a lot of fun here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in a very great mood today, everyone. Reading Chaitanya Chaitanya is, reading CC is ecstatic, especially that chapter. I was like, like, it felt, it just felt good reading the Shastra. Sometimes it's like, Oof, you know, like this is heavy, yes. but today for some reason, like that, that, like seeing that raw emotion of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya and kind of his transformation into a devotee is just so, it's so ecstatic and it's very encouraging, you know. Um, I remember the first time I read that chapter, I was with, in a community group with Kostubaji, and I remember Kostubaji just kind of like with so much enthusiasm speaking about this chapter, like it's one of the most important chapters of the CC and like this, and you need to read this. and. It's, it's very nice. And I think specifically for, because we kind of started this chit chat 
with my rabbit hole into like what's going on in the world like this. And yeah, I mean, if, usually you give the final takeaway, Jaya, but if I, if I have a final takeaway to give today, it's, it's um, you know, uh, don't, maybe I'll put this in the, po- yeah, like what we've been saying, like at the expense of being a cool devotee or at the expense of being, you know, someone who's in the know of like being on the right side of history or whatever that means, I'm losing, I'm losing my standards in devotional life. And so don't do that. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you have a takeaway, Jaya. Yeah, I, I, I think there's something beautiful in just being standard. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like there's a little lag now. Yeah, there's something being another rose and a bunch of a bunch of roses. Um. Hmm. You a little bit. Yeah, it's it's starting to lag a little bit, but that's okay. Um, let's call it an end here oh, because no, I froze. In, the Instagram, the Instagram overlords have decided that this is the end. Um, but yeah, I I hear Jaya's point. Um, there's something beautiful about being another rose in the in the bed of roses there's something beautiful about not trying to stick out so much uh not trying to be different or edgy or like this uh thank you so much missy we're also signing off thank you so much everyone thank you for all your um wonderful questions gave some really nice suggestions about ojaya's gone kavi gave some really nice suggestions about um live streams through different devotees or through different temples that are helping keep Sangha. Shyam, thank you all so much for your wonderful, um, for your wonderful time. Thank you, Madhava Puri. Also really some wonderful, great comments. We will see you all tomorrow. Hi, Marilyn. We will see you all tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all. Thank you, Waves Grace. I liked your comments as well. Thank you. Hi, Krishna, everyone. Hi, Bo.